0: The latest on the world game. This is Four Four Two Insider. Hello and
1: welcome to this week's Four Four Two Insider podcast. I'm editor Trevor Tahan, filling in for Jacko, who's off on a course, digital media course, and the man who's probably going to have more work next week because of Jacko's new idea. Online editor Kevin Ayers.
2: some forward to isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, he'll come back with loads from that, won't he? Whole week away whole week at school. Um, Luckily, there's lots for us to talk about in this week's podcast because there's all sorts going on. Um, First section, we'll we'll look at the Socceroos last night and round one of the A-League. In section two, we'll talk about our new German friend, Holger. Who? (laughs) Yes, Holger who? Um, Section three, we'll go through some news and then section four... We will incorrectly predict some A-League results and start look at the opening weekend of the Premiership. Um, Let's start with the Socceroos last night, Kev. Um, What were your overall impressions of how we fared?
2: It was a pretty uh, uninspiring performance, really, to be honest. But, you know, it always was going to be a waste of a friendly for us. This was a match for Slovenia's benefit rather than our benefit... uh, Without the, the new coach in place, it was just a case of uh, blowing away some cobwebs for some of the young guys, getting them back into the fold, uh, putting them back in green and golden, hoping that they remember that they've got a future possibly with us. But none of them really stepped up to the marks. I mean, uh, Rukovic and Carney were probably the two best players in the field.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, even they were taking the whole game at a gentle jog for the most part. Uh, on the downside, there was just it was just uninspiring... Performance. Lucas Neal is once again just uh, demanding attention from the referee rather than actually making any tackles, mm. uh, and Luke slowing up his age. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I was going to ask about Lucas. Where do we stand with him? Because
2: what's he? Thirty-one. So he's not like he's you know mega old. He could. I mean, he, he could make it to the World Cup. at a push, yep. push, but I mean, Craig Moore showed the dangers of taking somebody that age to yep. the World Cup. Uh, it's not
1: like Neal is going to get any slower, though, is it? I think he's he's pretty much
2: <laughs> maxed out on the slowness, so
1: he's going to have to adapt his game for that anyway. Um, I mean, Slovenia has to be said; they're obviously on the high after the World Cup. There's sixteen thousand tickets all sold out in half an hour. Um, so New that, you stadium
2: know, as well, which had extra appeal for the match, I think.
1: Yep. Yeah, um, you know, so, so good for those guys. But what about Holger in the stands? What you know? What would he have been thinking about that performance?
2: Well, you know. There's a lot to work with, and he's an experienced uh, youth coach uh, with Germany uh, back in the the 80s, I think. Um, So I I think the important thing to remember is it is a transitional uh, phase for the Socceroos. Uh, We are going from the the so-called golden generation to rebuilding, consolidating, and uh, bringing in a, a new next golden generation. So, at the moment, it's a pretty hideous sight, and I think we're probably going to see ourselves slide down the rankings for the next year, maybe two, hmm. uh, as a result. But, you know, we are going to get new faces in. We're going to uh, try new things. Uh, there is a lot of material there to work with, uh, which is the good thing. Uh, it's obviously not at the level that we were at 2006.
1: Then. Sure. Sure. Um- I'm interested in your views on uh, GTA because he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he, for the Socceroos? And, and ever since he's left Adelaide, really,
0: I, I
2: have this pers- personally. I have this th- theory that he only works with Nathan Burns. Right. The two worked brilliantly at uh, Adelaide together. If one of them was injured at Adelaide, the partnership didn't seem to work. Yep. in my memory, uh, and it's been the same since they split up and went overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd never either of them has uh, hit the heights that they did when they were working together and I think it's something we should look at you know it's, it's a partnership it works it's proven to work throw them in together in the socceroos it might well work again there as mm, well yeah. as, it did, as it used to but individually he is a bit of a disappointment
1: yeah sure I think Burns showed flashes in Sydney recently didn't he at the, at the uh, festival A-K. of football yeah.
2: uh, he looked brilliant yeah. yeah really back to his best uh, in many ways uh, and hopefully that's done enough to, to persuade the Greek club to give them a first team start on a regular basis. We can see more of it.
1: Mm, so sure. um, let's not get too upset about the result. The next friendly is Switzerland, is that right?
2: Yeah. When is month? that? Because September fifth or
1: something. Yep. And and Holger will be um, be, be his there. His first game in charge. Exactly. Yeah. Um, taking on. A Switzerland team that started well at the World Cup, being Spain the only team to beat Spain and went on to win it. Um, In Hitzfeld, they've probably got one of the better coaches in world football, haven't they? Um, So that'll be a a reasonable test for them. Um, Let's go on to the A-League, which obviously kicked off last week, round one. Um, A game of firsts, the Melbourne Heart first game for them. um, Arnie's first game for the Mariners. Wasn't a dream start for a Heart team that's done everything right so far, hasn't it, in terms of the way it's... Got its players together and its coaching and, and built the club, but they ended up uh, getting beaten one nil there, despite having good amounts of possession for large parts of the game. What did you make of their first hit out? Well,
2: I thought you know, uh, you say they did everything right in the lead up to the game. They did a lot of things right, a lot of things right during the game as well. To be mm. honest, you know, I saw a stat during the week that strung together 440 passes during the game with uh, 84% accuracy. Uh, right, which you know it sounds marvellous, but they still lost. Hmm. Um, Graham Arnold was very clever and out-coached them uh, but Melbourne Hearts team I thought were actually quite impressive with the exception of Rutger Worm he uh, looks like uh, hey, the Worm could be turning straight back to the oh, that's a great British. name. Great name, though, isn't it? I want him to
1: succeed just because of that. Um, well,
2: that. Those were quite uh, comical runs up the the, uh, the wing that he showed us. Mm.
1: <laughs> and that style of play might you know might be quite important for for getting new fans across as well.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no. I mean. Uh, Oh, it's unfortunate they lost on the debut in the new stadium, but uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. And uh, But uh, having said that, I think uh, Arnie surprised a few with his uh, tactical noose in putting Matt Simon in this defensive forward role, which I'd never heard of before. Uh, yeah. But he did a great job in Skoku, and you know who would have thought yeah, Matt I mean, Simon would be capable of doing that?
1: He honest. did do it. It reminds me a little bit of when um, Alex Ferguson, not to compare Arnie and Alex Ferguson, obviously. when well, he's, you would. When oh, he, yeah, yeah. yeah, Naturally. But um, he turned Alan Smith didn't he who was a striker at Leeds and got Maman and, and turned him into a defensive midfielder and uh, I think he still plays that role today actually quite often so it is possible if you've got that right sort of player um, next thing I'm going to talk about Adelaide, Newcastle Neil, Neil. Um, you 0 anything
2: to add? I tried watching that but uh, was had rushed off after five minutes start slipping my wrists <laughs>
1: <laughs> that good wasn't it? yeah
2: it was uh, not yeah. the best advert for the elite. would you
1: say it was a goal though?
2: I can't even remember it to be honest uh, uh, oh the offside one yeah, no, yeah. I, I genuinely had stopped watching by then
1: right ok yeah I can't really add much more to it either but let's just move on yeah. but the next game was far better um, Perth 3 North Queensland 3 packed crowd to see Robbie's first game there over 16,000 um, and they weren't disappointed on the goal front if not slightly in the uh, result front but it was a great game because it you know, seesawed the from side to side and
2: um it was your classic rollercoaster game yeah yeah Uh, it was brilliant it was uh, such a great advert for the A-League it was great for Perth Glory to see all the fans back it was great that all the fans that did turn up then got treated to a proper match Mm. Um, it was just unfortunately they didn't win but you know at the end of the day Fury were more than worth their their share of the points Uh, Mm. I thought it was a fantastic match and really enjoyed just about every aspect of it from start to finish.
1: Because, mm, I mean, Perth opening 10-15 minutes looked like they were going to kill them, didn't yep, they? Yeah, they were all Came out, and yep. you couldn't see Fury doing a lot. Um, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Fury, because I think everyone's written them off, haven't they?
2: Well, to be fair, you know, I think... That I was looking through our uh, preview mm-hmm. predictions in the mag this a- week. Out now, if anyone would to buy it. Out yesterday, yep. yes. Uh, and everybody, almost without exception, apart from me and one other uh, put them last place I really think that's uh, that's really too depressing for them that's mm. they're better than that I mean let's face it they have got a better squad than they did last year uh, they've got players that are actually likely to make it through the season uh, mm. with regular game time whether um, Striker's a better uh, coach than Fergie remains to be seen but on paper he might be uh, mm. so I see no reason why Fury won't at least match the 7th place mm, they got sure. last year
1: Going back to that Perth crowd, I mean, one of the things we're we're currently putting together for this coming issue of Four Four Two is is the lessons the A League might better learn from the uh, MLS. And one of the main things that they did over there was get football teams in football specific stadiums because it makes such a difference to the atmosphere. Um, And you know, Perth have have got that in terms of you know the way the the grounds laid out, and they've got sixteen thousand people in a twenty thousand seat. Stadium, great for atmosphere, whereas you know people like Brisbane and Sydney have got fans knocking around this huge stadium and, it, and it's just not working for them so do you, i mean how how important is that getting those soccer football specific shall I say stadiums in australia?
2: well, I think it would certainly play a part, but uh, look at Rabina uh, that's a boutique football stadium mm-hmm. uh, and it's still only got four thousand in it uh, it makes a great noise but uh, I'm, I, I think there's more important things to tackle mm-hmm. uh, first than uh, the exact stadiums they stay in, there they're playing in. Uh, I certainly, wouldn't want them playing in, you know, ANZ or something like that. No, nice uh, yeah. I, I, I think we really have to look at uh, more than that for the following game that we're about to talk about. Twelve thousand turning up for Sydney, Melbourne.
1: Yeah, let, let's talk about that. And it was a cracking game as
2: well. It was an absolute belcher again. Yeah, um,
1: another three-three. You don't get many of them in a row. Yeah. Um, seven mad minutes from Sydney, who were cruising at two up against a Melbourne team that didn't really have any strikers, and then
2: managed to score. Um, well, I, mean, I wouldn't say they were necessarily cruising. I think you know Melbourne always looked dangerous. Yeah, they played better, extent, than the score, but they, right? they also looked impotent uh, out the front. Uh, so it didn't look like they were necessarily going to score. Hmm. But Melbourne were controlling a lot of the game. Um, but Sydney, uh, yeah, just went to sleep. And, uh, conceded those uh, three goals in fifteen minutes or something, and uh, then had to fight the way back into the match. Sure. Uh, but Matty Daganzik was just spectacular. What a player he had! What a game he had! Yeah. Um, hopefully, he can keep that up in future games, and this doesn't go to his head. But uh, I really thought he was such an eye, such an eye-catching performance.
1: Yeah. Sure. One thing I thought about Sydney was. Um, you know in a lot of pre-season, they've been playing Keller and Rowe in the middle you know Colstall over on the right and um, Fox who played well against Rangers I think it was Hayden Fox um obviously done enough to earn himself a place but I always feel about Keller and Fox is that they're quite similar centre-backs mm. in experience but quite slow, really good in the air do you think those two got caught out a little
2: bit? I think Sydney again this, there's always some part of Sydney's uh, make every season that seems to be the, week, the Achilles heel and it's the defence definitely this year uh, I think the biggest problem for Sydney though in that game was uh, being, just getting constantly caught out yeah. on that wing uh, and I didn't really understand Lovishka's uh, substitution later on when he took off Jameson and left Bion on, out uh, of... shoved Jameson back into... Yeah, who hadn't a, had, had a pack. great game. For he somebody. hadn't had a great game, but he certainly had a better game than Bion yeah. had. Uh, so, yeah, I would have uh, kept Danning on. I would have brought Danning on in place for um and given that a shot, because it just wasn't working with Bion at all. Uh, but, yeah, Keller and Fox, they can be a bit... Uh, Glacial in the movement. yes. yeah. movements. Uh, I, I don't really know where they're going to go with that. They, they need a new striker uh, as backup. They're already mm. stretched this weekend. Bridge out, yeah. Uh, it's only the second round. Mm. Uh, so I'm not sure how much room they've got left to uh, also get a decent defender in as well.
1: I'm sure. Um, the final game of uh, round one was better than its scoreline suggests, I think. um Carcose and Neil. Brisbane nil but two dividend keepers having cracking games there wasn't it
2: yeah it was uh, I really enjoyed the game um, it was one of those classic nil nils but still thoroughly enjoyable yep. game um, Brisbane Roar came on leaps and bounds mm. uh, six new starters in that team from yeah, last season I think. Uh, completely different lineup, pretty much and yeah they, they look much better than I would have given Ange credit for uh, last season uh, Gold Coast United still haven't hit the, the straps and messing about with where Smelts plays I think was part of Med, Mad Miron's downfall again. <laughs> he, only scored, he was only the golden boot winner, so what do you do this season? Yeah, move him. No, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, We,
1: do we need Mad Miron though, don't we? We do,
2: absolutely. He's uh, one of the most entertaining things about the A-League. <laughs> yeah. I
1: don't um, Great stuff. That. That's all we've got for section one. Um, section two is going to be a Holger special where we... Uh, Uh, voice our opinions on the new guy in the Socceroos hot seat.
0: The new issue of 442 is on sale now. Relive all the best moments in the South African World Cup with our 30 page review including expert analysis into the Socceroos performances. We predict the impact that man called Mourinho will have at Real Madrid. Go behind the scenes with A-League new boys Melbourne Hart and go one on one with outspoken former Socceroos keeper Zelko Kalic. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
1: Hello and welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. In section two, we're going to talk about Holger Oziek? Oziek? Ozek. Oziek. Graham Arnold, so much easier to say, isn't it? <laughs> um, Look, first impressions of when you heard that, you know, this is the guy. In fairness, we only heard, you know, only slightly before the press conference started, so well done on uh, FFA's front to keeping that quiet, as I was saying to you earlier, Kev. It's a press release from uh, British bookmakers William Hill, where they were talking about they took over 200 bets on the new soccer's coach and not a single one was on the German who got the job, so they're laughing in terms of money they've earned off that and yeah they, they did keep it quiet but what did you think other than Helga Who when you found out who it
2: was uh, look um, I have to admit that my first impression first reaction was complete disappointment uh, a, not just because it wasn't you know necessarily a big name but um, this was a guy who 2007 played Sydney FC uh, drew 2-2 with them and then drew 0-0 over in Japan and I don't think there's a single person after either of those matches that would have stood back and said, "That man, that man is going to be the next Socceroos coach. Get him in for the job. That was brilliant." Um, to be fair, you know, Branko Kalina uh, came out overnight and said that uh, he had outcoached him. Uh, that Helga, Holger had uh, outcoached him. Yep. But at the end of the day, Holger had a you know unlimited budget for the Uru- mm-hmm. Uh Whereas Branko was newly in the job, uh, few, quite a few injuries and a salary cap. Uh, to get held to 2-2 and 0-0 and only go out by one point from the ACL by the team that went on to win it, it was a huge achievement. I don't think anybody would have been lining up to give Branko the Soccer's job either.
1: Mm, what about initial impressions from how Holger got on at the press conference?
2: He handled himself very well uh, and you know, so did Pim Verbeek. Uh, in his first press conference too. It was Pim Hu, then wasn't it? As it well was a lot of people to to certain extent. Uh, but yeah, I, I just should we really be looking at the ex-manager, ex-coach of Canada for the Socceroos? Uh, mm. I mean, in his favour, however, like I said before, this is a transitional phase for the Socceroos. We're going to be losing a lot of the the experienced veteran heads, uh, and I think it previous times, in recent years, we've needed a very firm disciplinarian yeah. uh, to keep a lid on things and just keep all the egos in check, because we've, we've had a lot of big personalities playing soccer. Yep. It's a very different story of the, the breed now coming through, the generation now coming through. Uh, and I think somebody with his background could well be better suited for it, a youth with a youth background, a youth coach. Mm. Um, however, having said that, also, um, his recent history with Canada and Ottawa Reds doesn't make for good reading in terms of player relations. Uh, there's a lot of stories of him being a disciplinarian, too bossy. Right. Um, supposedly five Canada players refused to play for him by the end of his reign. Okay. Uh, a lot of there was an open revolt amongst the Ottawa Reds players against him. Mm. Um, so it's it's a fine line, and he's going to have to be judged in his performances.
1: Mm, it seems a bit more of a, a holistic appointment, doesn't it, in terms of just Socceroos' results. Because if you, if you look back on his coaching career, he spent a, a lot of time um, with the FIFA technical department and we're talking about improving the technical standard of Australian players. You know, Is this one of the reasons the guy got the job? Because they're thinking, well, not only will he... You know, perhaps get results to the Socceroos but he can help at every level of the game in Australia
2: well you know he's, uh, there was talk of this in the press conference yesterday but when you actually studied what he said in relation to that he was actually very reserved about his mm. contribution elsewhere uh, he said he would like to contribute if he can um, but that's not exactly going out his way to uh, build the game from grassroots level mm. um as far as technical director is concerned well Ron Smith uh, was a technical director as well, I don't think anybody would be rushing to give him a uh, job you mm. know, it's a, it, they're very different skill sets between being a coach and being a technical director uh, and I just hope we've not been hoodwinked by FIFA, France Beckenbauer and... It feels a bit like that doesn't it? Germany World Cup 1990, Asian uh, African American Gold Cup mm. uh,
1: yeah I mean assistants don't always prove to be good first choices as I mean most of Alex Ferguson's assistants have gone on to have terrible coaching careers and they were working under you know the very best but um, yeah, one of the problems and one of the reasons why there's such an anti-climax is because there was a massive build-up period and it, Everyone was throwing out their number one choice name. Well, they? I mean,
2: you know, again, to be fair to the FFA, they had kept this one locked yep. tight, watertight. Nobody had a clue about this until about four hours before it was actually officially released. Yeah. Was when we first got the first whisper of who it was going to be. Hmm. Uh, so basically, you know, there was a lot of speculation going on, and some of it was informed, and some of it was just wild, mad, aspirational, hopeful guesses like Diego Mar- Maradona, which <laughs> would have been.
1: Great for an interview. Imagine <laughs> that. I mean, you know, great fun for us. Terrible for the Socceroos great team. Great for
2: the Australian cigar industry as well. Yeah,
1: quite. Um, uh,
2: yeah, um, think so, um, yeah, but my point with that was uh, we had, according to Louis, there was eight candidates that they interviewed. Uh, what I'm struggling to find, I don't know who those eight candidates were. Uh, no. Nobody else does apart outside the FFA at the moment. <clears throat> I, find, I just can't believe that he was necessarily the highest qualified candidate for the job, given how many are currently available. Mm. In the wake of a World Cup, there's a lot of candidates out there, a lot of people looking for jobs, not necessarily money-driven, and we weren't that short for budget. I think, you know, this guy's apparently on $2 million a year,
0: Seems so yeah. for
2: a beak. But yeah. I think we, we talked about it at one stage, we were looking at about $6 million, offering up to $6 million a year for the right candidate. That buys a lot of experience
1: yeah I mean in terms of selling Australia as a country and you know, the budget they had, we should have had to attract someone. better. I mean, Jack had a few meetings at the FFA and, and I was saying, oh, keep an eye out for, you know, the coach. We might get exclusive on it, but this guy could have walked past him and he wouldn't have known. <laughs> would There's no way we were ever going to find out. You talk about rubbing shoulders, they're saying that, you know, the first contact was made in South Africa. And you just kind of get this feeling, that you know, Loe and what have you, were in South Africa rubbing shoulders with Beckenbauer and World Cup legends and this guy's got recommended and they've sort of, you know, swallowed the recommendation whole and got this guy, especially he's, he spent a lot of his time working at FIFA, I mean, um, four years over two separate spells, um, either side of his URR Red Diamonds job. Um, so I, I think he's been recommended heavily, and we've kind of gone from him on that. It's kind of a mate that's had a holiday romance, and he's picked up this girl, and he's come back, and gone look at her, and you've met her, and you've gone, it's not as good as I was hoping.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the other uh, link, of course, is Peter Hargerty, uh, our World Cup uh, consultant, bid mm-hmm. consultant, is... Very, very good mates with Franz Beckenbauer. Very, very good mates with Franz Beckenbauer. Uh, and I wonder how what part he played in this appointment too. Uh, he could well have been the uh, the matchmaker.
1: Mm, if I could put a positive spin on it, i um, looking back on on what he's done. You know, time as assistant under Beckenbauer when winning the World Cup, and you know he did win the Confederation Gold Cup no less with Canada and he did win the Asian Champions
2: I never knew existed Certainly, the gold. I didn't know it was called the Gold Cup
1: like Holger I never knew he existed yeah. <laughs> um, and he won the Asian Champions League at Yara Red so it, it's not an absolutely disastrous CV you know what in what he's done previously do you think that is a positive for the Socceroos that he could really bring
2: well I mean you know continental winning experience good um, Asian experience Good, um, but th- th- there are just so many downsides too. There's big gaps, there's no big clubs, uh, there's no, I mean, World Cup match winning campaign, a World Cup winning campaign with Franz Beckenbauer is a huge plus, mm. um, but uh, there's gaps in his, his CV, there's no big clubs with his CV, there's a lot of player unrest in his past. Uh, there's a lot of swift exits from clubs in his past. It remains to be seen. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit of a wait and see, isn't it? Um, one thing I do want to talk about is that he's German. Mm. We've had two Dutch coaches in a row, um, a 10-year um, football curriculum which seems largely based on Hamburg's Dutch philosophy, um, but we, we've gone for a German who, in fairness, have a fairly incredible history in football and succeeding. What do you think the nationality of Helga's you know, Holger's going to do to the Socceroos? How how's that German mentality
2: going to help? I don't know. I mean, to be honest, you know, the uh, the reason we always said we were going for Dutch was because they played great football and they had this. Uh, the only thing that stopped them from winning the World Cup was their Dutch mentality. Uh, but what we discovered was that that also transfers to the manager. Because you know we had this winning uh, streak with Pim Verbeek, but as soon as he was under pressure against Germany, the Dutch mentality kicked in and screwed us up mm. uh, for the Germany game. So it's probably good that you know we've we've moved away from uh, Dutch mentality in that. But German, uh, well, we'll see. Their their style has changed recently. Mm. The the Germany from the World Cup was not the the Germans of old.
1: Uh, no, no not at all.
2: Uh, so I, I don't think nationality plays terribly Is a Im- terribly important part uh, Especially with the, the senior uh, squad Because the the whole Dutch mentality thing Is very much hind at the grassroots in grassroots and bringing it up uh, We're not going to change Lucas Neal, Tim Cahill Into their style of play It's never going to change now It's set in stone uh, So we just need a player that can bring out the best in the current players while well, the the background work still goes on into uh, making them into total, f- making the youngsters into total footballers.
1: Sure. And the final thing that the side story from this was that there was going to be another Australian coach to come in to be his assistant. Um, you know, Vidmar's already there. Uh, who do you think that could be? And do you feel that's a good idea?
2: Um, yeah, I do. I think it's a great idea. Um, I th- personally, I think it's most likely to be Gary van Egmond. A new columnist. Indeed. I Wonder yes. if he'll yes. have to
1: stop doing the column if he gets a better job. Uh, possibly. Ho- ho- hopefully not. Then we yeah. might get the inside scoop. You know, the yeah. soccer score. Yeah, I-, I think he'll be a fine appointment. Mm. Um, you know, speaking to him regularly now for the column. He's clearly a, a fairly well-informed guy. You know, he, he does know his stuff. Um, he's Australian. Um, he's got a Dutch name as well, so that might. Yeah, um, that yeah might, he
2: can be a sort of pseudo stealth Dutch.
1: Yeah, that might get him over the line. Um, yeah, it's, it's a case of wait and see, isn't it? But. You know, At the moment, we wish uh, wish Holger all the best, and hopefully we can get a decent result in the Switzerland game. That's all we've got for Section 2. Um, in Section 3, we'll be talking about the best of the news on the website in the past week.
0: The new issue of 442 is on sale now. Relive all the best moments in the South African World Cup with our 30-page review, including expert analysis into the Socceroos' performances. We predict the impact that man called Mourinho will have at Real Madrid. Go behind the scenes with A-League new boys Melbourne Hart and go one-on-one with outspoken former Socceroos keeper Zelko Kalich. If it's in the game, it's in 442 On sale now. Back to 442 Insider.
1: Hello and welcome back to Section 3 of the 442 Insider Podcast and we'll chat some news now, um, starting with some striker searching from a couple of A-League teams. First up, Gold Coast, going for Nuno Gomez, which is um, a big-name Portuguese player, to be fair. Um, they've been linked with Robert Pires in the past, the Gold Coast, and um, they're still keen, it seems, to fill that, that second international marquee spot. If you like, what do you make of the the Gomez chase? That, what are their chances?
2: <clears throat> I think it's uh, be a phenomenal uh, asset to to Gold Coast and the A-League if he comes. Um, I'm not quite sure what the situation is with it because the, he's still got a year running on his contract, as far as I understand. Uh, so there might be a transfer fee involved, which you know makes it a very expensive proposition for Gold Coast because hmm. they're unlikely to get any money back on it at the end of the the deal because he'll probably be retiring, you would think. Um, But, you know, phenomenal striker. Uh, The interesting question I think it really throws up is, uh, where does that leave Shane Smeltz? Are they expecting Smeltz to go by the end of the the transfer window, that they're looking for such a big-name striker? Yep. Uh, Because
1: you'd feel you'd have to get Smeltz, Porter and Gomez all on the pitch, wouldn't you? You would...
2: Try to, but, you know, that's, uh, that's a hell of an attacking force to put out there.
1: By Dumiron, Miron. I don't think I would think twice about doing it, would it? Yeah,
2: it's exactly. Yeah. he just take a defender out. He'll be doing his 2-4 four, yeah. four formation again, just yeah. to squeeze them all in. I mean, if there was one
1: club you felt that when the new marquee system came in and there was an Australian and a, another marquee which... Potentially, as an Australian guy, you thought if there's one club that was going to take advantage of that, it would be a Gold Coast. So it's a surprise that they haven't picked up anyone yet. But it seems that they're going for a fairly big target. I mean, Raoul was the the other guy that they've been linked to, but it's that kind of former European giant that's looking for a swan song, final year, final couple of years. I mean, Rao's interesting because he's been over to Australia a few times. He's he's travelled around so. You understand he was quite a big fan of the country, so I was hoping we might be able to get him. But I'm sure the Gold Coast will manage to get someone before um, any sort of transfer windows close. Another club looking for a striker, desperate need of a striker, really, as we mentioned earlier Sydney SC, um, who have lost that kind of powerful striker who can hold up the ball um, with Bridge out as well. I mean, Bridge and Brusque almost seem you know too similar often. If it's not working, you need something different to, yeah. to, to put on. Um, but Sydney haven't got anyone yet, but they're still looking at is it South American. That's falling. It's over? a
2: different end of the the spectrum, though, for Sydney. This is not uh, going to be a marquee signing. With a, a name's been put to us that we've had a look at, and it's no, it's not. He's no Gomez. <laughs> right, <laughs> Any yeah. manner of means, and I think this is where Sydney are going wrong. You know, we talked earlier that they only get twelve thousand for the game against Victory in the season opener. Hmm. Um, my theory is that Sydney needs a celebrity, Mm. Uh, not necessarily an international celebrity. They just need a figurehead uh, to bring the crowds in that non-football fans can say, I went and I saw such and such. If you look at the Sydney Swans figures uh, over the years, their biggest peaks came in 1986 when Warwick Capper joined them. Mm. Uh, And then they went back down to 9,000 from 25,000 when he was there, back to 9,000 for years, Mm -hmm. until Plugger Lockett joined them in '95. And it's just big, mouthy match winners. That's what gets the crowds in Sydney's. Mm. Uh, and Sydney then shot up to 30,000 and haven't looked back since then with Plugger Lockett, Barry Hall. Yep. Uh, so I think that's where Sydney needs somebody. They need somebody to be able to stand up in the papers and just mouth off. Mm. Just be a personality. Yep. Uh, and this guy they're looking at, you know, potentially he has the personality, potentially he has the looks for that role, but... Mm. I don't think he's going to have the skill to necessarily match it. He's going to be a a bench-warming striker for them.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, another thing, you know, going back to that feature I'm working on at the moment about what they're doing in the US, one of the main things that a lot of clubs do is engage the expat community. Chicago's got a massive Polish community, and they sign a lot of Polish players, and it's been one of their biggest successes. Right. Um, Sydney, obviously, is an incredibly diverse city. I mean, massive Asian population here. Um, Yeah. You can't. I mean, what about a, a really sort of big name Asian marquee? Something see, that transcends yeah. across. You know, everyone wants to see.
2: Yeah, but I mean, they they did that in the first season. They had the the guest player and with, with the Kazoo. Kazoo, yeah, uh, and you know that had a minor impact. Yeah, uh, but I, I really, you know, I think they need, sadly, an Anglo of some mm. sort. Uh, to really focus all attention on them. And somebody who will just keep making headlines for them. Dwight York uh, made headlines. People wanted to come and see him because he was Dwight York. Not because it was Sydney. Not because they were playing silky football, which they weren't. Sydney-siders wanted to see Dwight York. uh, And that's what they need. They need somebody that people in Sydney have to see. They have to be able to go back to work on the Monday and say, I saw such and such.
1: Yeah, completely. And, you know, it, it's proven with crowd figures in Australia over the years that when there are those big names out, people are interested. Yeah. You know, there is that market there for, for people to go and watch it, but they're, yeah. they're, they're not really exploiting it. But the noises coming out of Sydney is that, like you say, this striker's not going to be a big name, is it? It's just yeah. going to be a squad member no, to I fill mean, in.
2: You know, they're the looking at the improving the quality of the football, which is great, absolutely vital thing mm. for the football fans. But if they want to expand their market, they want to bring in uh, new people. They have to look beyond the football as well. They have to look at celebrity. They really have to start making stars of their players. Hmm. Sure. Um, and not dandruffads.
1: <laughs> that was bizarre, wasn't it? The the head and shoulders John Aloisi thing. He was on the bottle, but it didn't actually say John Aloisi anywhere on it.
0: It was much? No, no, it was, it was just like
1: they'd got a model and I said, like, that model looks just like John Aloisi.
0: Um,
1: next story, continuing a bit of a MLS theme, was uh, Harry potentially going out there, uh, Kansas City Wizards. How would you think he would have fared out there if that had happened? Oh, I, you think he, I
2: think he would have been uh, huge, actually. I mean, he is, uh, Harry Kill is Australia's David Beckham, after mm. all. So, uh, you know, I think uh, he could have, I'm sure, Bernie Mandich... Uh, PR machine would have rolled into action and really built him up to be big out there. Uh, I think he would have uh, created a huge final payday for himself uh, hmm. in the role over there as a, a big celebrity player. And he's got, still got a huge amount of skill to give and offer. Yep. Uh, so you know, I'm sure he wouldn't be anything but a success over there.
1: Yeah. Uh, we saw Danny Orsop score a hat trick against Portsmouth. Exactly. Week, so. Yes. In a very <laughs> struggling DC team. So yeah, it would have been interesting to see how. Um, Harry Fared. Um going back to the Gold Coast and still talking about strikers um, story out this week about Smeltsy, That it, it might be quite likely that he'll stay now because the, the interest has dropped off a little bit um, that seems good for the Gold Coast and good for the league perhaps to have a player, you know, if he's, quite, he's undoubtedly the, the most natural goal scorer in the competition um, are you surprised he hasn't moved on considering what he's done in Australia and uh, then at the World Cup? Well you know
2: uh, there is the argument that he's been overseas before and was very, very ordinary. Mm. Uh, he's come to the A-League and he's found his level. And he's an absolute huge superstar. Uh, and I think, you know, if he was going to go anywhere, it's most likely to be Asia, uh, where, you know, the football is at a similar level and he would have similar strengths. Uh, and, you know, he's had a look at China and doesn't like that. What really surprised me about uh, the Gold Coast, though, is taking him back... On the same contract he was on before. If I was the Gold Coast with a player in that position yeah. where you know either he played for us or he was out of a job forever mm-hmm. uh, for the next two years, thanks to walking out in China, uh, I would have said to him, right, we want a new contract and we want rid of that $300,000. Is that proposal. still in
1: there then? Because that's what we were discussing. Uh, so that's still in there? the exact strength. same contract
2: he was on before he went to China. Which has got the three hundred thousand dollar release fee?
1: Because I thought you know that's one
2: of the good things that Gold Coast could have worked out that is that
1: you know they could have got a higher fee for him. Absolutely. Um, sticking with strikers actually for our next story, um, Scott McDonald, not one of the top three Australian players in the world, it seems, <laughs> but he has uh, scored two goals in two games for Middlesbrough. They've kicked off their new not new one season. Of
2: the top twenty-three Australian players. In the
1: yes. World. Yeah. Um, you're a fan of McDonald aren't you I believe you've, you've made it clear
2: before you quite like him yeah I mean you know uh, a man who scores as many as he did for Celtic mm. uh, you can't possibly look overlook uh, unless your name's Pim Verbeek mm. um, and you refuse rigidly to uh, change from your, your formation but you know the good news from Osip is that he's willing to uh, make the formation suit his players and mm. uh, not make his players suit the formation so I think that's a, a definite green light for him coming back into the Socceroo setup as soon as possible. Hmm. Uh, I'm not quite sure what formation Osiek is likely to use. Apparently, in the past, he's done a 5 3 2. Yeah. Uh, which is an interesting and slightly archaic formation. But one that, you know, could possibly suit us. 3 4 3 is the other suggestion. Uh, yeah. Which, again,. I'm not sure if it necessarily suits us to the best though because we don't. We're struggling to find three strikers.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was kind of flown with the idea of playing different formations in the press conference, which was quite exciting, wasn't it? No, oh, man. absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, which you know, it's great. I'm not obviously a, a sort of 4-4-2 or a 5-3-2 would probably suit McDonald best. Yeah. But when we've got so many skillful midfielders, uh, well, that's
1: our strength, isn't so it? So few then?
2: strikers and a handful of decent uh, central defenders, and um, mm. Working those into uh, a necessarily good formation it tends to make you think like 5 3 2, hmm. certainly. Hmm. I but
1: mean, I, I can't believe Kennedy and McDonald can't work well together up front. I mean, the past hundred years of football, a big man and a small man up front has been working. I Absolutely. can't see why it wouldn't work yeah. again. Yeah. Um, That's all we've got for the news in Section 3. In Section 4, we're going to preview the second round of the A-League and the opening weekend in the Premiership.
0: The new issue of 442 is on sale now. Relive all the best moments of the South African World Cup with our 30 page review, including expert analysis into the Socceroos' performances, we predict the impact that man called Mourinho will have at Real Madrid. Go behind the scenes with A League New Boys Melbourne Hart and go one on one with outspoken former Socceroos keeper Zelko Kalich. If it's in the game, it's in 442. On sale now. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider.
1: Welcome back to the 442 Insider Podcast. We're into the final section, section four, where we're going to preview round two of the A-League and the opening weekend of the Premiership. But let's kick off with the A-League. First game up this week, Wellington-Phoenix versus Gold Coast United. Wellington had a bye last week and we'll be dying to get back into that one with a World Cup fever still brewing over there. Be quite uh, an interesting game with what you could say is one of the, the... League's better roster of players in town. Um, how do you say that one panning out?
2: Oh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, Phoenix, of course, haven't been beaten at home for almost two years, now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is just an astonishing record, including Boca Juniors. Mm. Uh Go! Coast United are making life very difficult for themselves. They're only flying in late tonight, uh, arriving after midnight in Wellington. Okay. Uh, for a game, you know, a few hours later. Um, so. They're, they're not necessarily going to be in the best shape, but that's what happens when you give up the private jets. You have to fly commercial scheduled airlines.
1: <laughs> that was one of their biggest sales as well, wasn't it? When they launched, that they were, yeah. you know, they had their own pilot that was sitting in the office ready to go all the time. GFC. Yeah. Didn't I thought you got even richer during the GFC, Palmer? Shh, shh. About the only person that did. <laughs> um,
2: second- but Wellington Phoenix are uh, well up for this. You know, they're rearing to get into this season now, uh, and. Uh, Start off with a home tie. It's going to be interesting to see what the crowd is here as well because uh, they were pulling in such a fabulous number in the finals uh, series. Mm, yeah. Uh, be in- and with the World Cup success of the Old Whites. Yep. Or just not lack of a defeat for the Old Whites. Yep. Uh be interesting to see what the uh, numbers turn out as. Sure. Um, I think I'll
1: tip the Phoenix to get the better of the Gold Coast. There, do you see the, the result kind
2: um, I, I'm inclined certainly to go with either Phoenix or a draw I think it's probably a draw Sure,
1: OK um, Second game up will be Newcastle Jets versus Melbourne Heart now Melbourne Heart will be keen to get their season going as they're rooted to the bottom if, if not slightly harsh considering all the rest of the games with draws last week but it's not a particularly easy game to go away to a, a relatively well organised Jets team
2: Yeah, I mean uh, Ben Kennedy uh, raised his game pretty well uh, last weekend uh, the new hairstyle. It's all different. <laughs> uh, but Melbourne Hart will be trying to prove a point. Skoko especially will be trying to prove a point because he, was, he wasn't fit, uh, wasn't he? Utterly emasculated uh, mm. last weekend. So, but I think again, that's probably going to head for a draw.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think I'd probably agree with that. I mean. Jets Another and mm. one of those teams That have a A reasonable manager And a reasonable Playing squad that, But were written off At the beginning of the season They were 26-1 to 1 To win the A-League So so well out Can you see them Doing better than What many people think? Oh yeah with that, Well
2: it, it depends To be honest uh, I mean I think The Jets have as good A squad Of outfield players As any Of the clubs yep. uh, uh, Literally uh, I think they've got Depth They've got talent uh, And they've got A great manager I really really like Branko always have yep. Um, but what a problem I do see with them is uh, between the sticks. I, I just don't think Ben Kennedy uh, is up to it. Uh, I don't think Paul Henderson's up to it. Uh, I hope Neil Young comes back quickly. And I hope he is as good as uh, he was before. Mm. Smelt's put him in intensive care. If he is, they stand a really, really good chance of... Uh, being up there top three, top four
1: yeah and it has to be said the A-League's got a spread of, of decent keepers you know most teams have, have got an alright I would keeper. say that
2: Newcastle Jets and Central Coast Mariners have the four worst keepers in the uh, A-League and I think the rest of them are all very very good yeah. and I think it's there's a huge gulf between those two teams and the rest and in a league where the margins are so fine I think that's going to be pivotal in their seasons
1: Mm. Um, third game of the round uh, a team that a lot of people have tipped to finish bottom hosting a team that a lot of people have tipped to finish top North, Queensland, Fury versus Sydney Um, do you think that it's going to be that one-sided or did Fury show enough last week that they're going to be a
2: match here? Oh, I think anybody that uh, thinks Fury are going to be walkovers are deeply misguided Uh, I think this will be a very tight match and I can actually see Fury uh, getting past them to be honest they've got youth, energy, energy and Sydney have you know bridges out, bridge out and defensive issues at the moment, which they need to work on uh, It could be again another quite tight match, but i I can actually see fury getting past them yeah yeah uh, it 's possibly still early in the season for them to really use their strengths to the benefit uh, when, once it starts heating up in the middle of summer, then f- my money would actually be on fury over Sydney at the moment
1: mm. I, I can see that one being an, another draw, but I don't think either team would be particularly disappointed at that, considering the build-up. Um, on to game four: Melbourne Victory versus Perth Glory. I mean, that's a cracker, isn't it? Two it's, teams that a lot yes. of people are fancying to win it. Um, Melbourne's first home game, Perth's first away game. Then struggled on the road last season. Perth, um, will they get a better result in victory this time?
2: Well, I mean, Perth certainly have the squad in place to uh, to get the result uh, this weekend. Victory still without the replacement striker. Uh, we've been bombarded with emails and Twitter requests from Victory fans saying, do you know about this press conference at 2 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon where we're unveiling a new striker? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They really managed to convince themselves there was going to be a new striker signed this week and so far it's not happening. Uh, mm. Without that, you can't really say that Victory are uh, built on winners. Uh, I mean, they, they really played very, very well against Sydney last weekend uh, and there's no reason why they will not do the same again but without that offensive, aggressive aspect of to the, the, the squad you've got to put your money in glory
1: Yeah, sure, I mean, when Ney Fabiano went, everyone went oh, they've got to replace him, then Danny Allsop went and they went, oh, I've got to replace him now Archie's out injured you know, how well, there's no yeah, one that's come I through. Mean,
2: this is the thing. You know, Ernie Merrick's known about this situation for almost a year now, uh, mm. if not longer, since Danny Osop left. Uh, and like you say, when Fabiano left, they never replaced him either. With set mm. with maybe Robbie Cruz. Um, but you know, there comes a point where you've got to sign somebody. Uh, and they say they've looked at eighty strikers or something mm. uh, without being able to find one. You got there must be somebody out there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, someone's better than no one at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Um, final game of the rounds. Central Coast Mariners are hosting Adelaide. Um, Central Coast, currently top of the league. Yeah, league leaders. Yep. um taking on Adelaide. So, battle of two new coaches there. Um, who do you think is going to come out on top?
2: Um, I think it's, it's going to be a very interesting one. I think uh, Adelaide United still need to blow a few cobwebs away. I don't think they have got their season squads formation tactics Hmm. strategy in place properly yet uh so i'm going to back the mariners to win this one but i think it will be an interesting battle uh and i'd like to you know see sergio van Dyke get a bit closer to go and get a few more strikes on target and uh really give them a run for the money but no i think mariners will probably uh, take this one i I really like mariners squad
1: they say yeah well hopefully perez will be back
2: yeah. Yeah. Would... I had a look at him and I've had one look at him so it's not really an expert's opinion but yep. I saw him once in training and uh, uh, Okay. Yeah, me. <laughs> I can't I, I wasn't getting as excited as everybody else is. I'll yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a
1: picture of him with Messi so that was just enough for everyone to get excited. Exactly. Wasn't yes, yeah. You know, oh, he's why met not? Messi That's so he must be great. Some excitement in uh, their life. No,
2: I really but having said that, they have a really really strong squad with even with, with or without Perez um it's very some really astute new signings
1: and uh how do you think uh, Arnie's doing there? Well, how will he do this season?
2: don't know you know he's got a lot of experience, you mm. know I know Arnie and the website especially have had a few runs over the yeah um, <laughs> know that about that. <laughs> over the years, but uh he 's got a lot of experience. he does know what he 's talking about uh it's not necessarily always the most exciting and invigorating football that he's capable of but you know uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he comes up with and he is really it's good to see him on the the training uh, field we saw saw him a couple of weeks ago and he he really does look as if he's enjoying himself yeah which is is, you know the first important we've just been travelling around Europe for the last (laughs) years you You know watching
1: this guy there a very diplomatic answer if you Kevin um (laughs) Let's wrap up with a quick look at the Premiership's opening weekend. And Kev, I can see at the top there an early Champions League playoff, Aston Villa West Ham. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the early kick-off, the first game of the season is, is Tottenham Man City. Um, you know the the two teams that jostled for that final Champions League place. Um, an interesting piece of scheduling there to see City go um, yeah. away to Tottenham on the Because I believe it's more random in the UK than it is in the A League where. They basically email it around and everyone just picks when they want to play each other.
2: I think there is a little bit of uh, manipulation that goes on. I think so. Looking at the, those yeah, you know, fixtures. Not necessarily by the clubs, but certainly FA, uh, mm. Lancaster group, they they do just tweak things to make it a little more interesting some weekends. So you have derby weekends and stuff. But I think so. Um,
1: City, I mean... Tottenham I mean City beams, is a yeah. hell of an opening scale. I know, I mean, game. that's, you know, <laughs> City have been the story of the off-season, you know, outside of the World Cup, haven't they? Um, and and you know the amount of money that they've spent there on the amount of new players, you'd have to feel that you know they should be going for the title. I don't. You know, people are saying about making Champions League, they should be going for the title. Tottenham haven't gone out and recruited as many players as I suspected.
2: But do, the, I don't think they necessarily needed to. I mean, they've they got
1: they, keen back, haven't they? Robbie yeah, Kane back. So.
2: Uh, I mean, he's back from Celtic. And it was a very very strong outfit last season. Mm. Uh, they've not lost anybody significant I can think of they didn't need anybody new necessarily to come in I can see them going from strength to strength again this season mm, sure uh, and Man City yeah pressure's on them but pressure's been on them since uh, the Arabs came in to be honest uh, and Mancini well, he's got another season which is more than any of the other City managers have had recently
1: yep and um- let's have a quick chat about Aston Villa West Ham because it is, it is me versus Jacko did take four <laughs> points off from last season so probably the four points that kept us up um, the big story there is Martin O'Neill walking out five days before oh, the start yeah. of the season, I don't necessarily think as a West Ham fan am I celebrating assuming three points because um, well, Villa have got better players than West Ham and they are at home and I think a few of them will be on on audition for the new, the new manager um, can you see anything else but a Villa win there?
2: Oh no, I think it's. I actually do suspect uh, that that could end a draw, to be honest. Oh, um, take that. Yeah, because I think, you know, Avram's doing a decent job with you guys. Uh, and Recruited a few players. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. Aston Villa, a bit of turmoil. Uh, especially when you're right at the beginning of the, the season. Uh, not got into the the pace at all for the start of the season. It's not like they've got momentum going behind them mm-hmm. uh, with O'Neill's formation and strategy and tactics already in place as you would do in the middle of the season if he was to walk out. So yeah, no, I can see them uh, getting a draw out of that to be honest.
1: Sure, um other fixtures, uh, the Battle of the Overseas Ruse, Blackburn versus Everton, got Bolton Fulham, Sunderland versus Birmingham, Wigan versus Blackpool. Glamour tie there. Absolutely. Um, Wolves versus Stoke. Chelsea to the start of their season at home to West Brom. Poor West Brom. Um, and the next game is a very interesting one: Liverpool Arsenal. It's the there. That is, yeah. The weekend, There's something about it? seeing those two next to each other that um, you can't yeah. help but get excited about. Um, a new era for Liverpool, isn't it, with uh, Hodgson coming in? Joe Cole. I yeah, I mean in? Hodgson's
2: arrival is it's just a such a strange one for me, to be honest. I, you know, Hodgson did a great job at Fulham, but Liverpool's a huge, huge club with such a heritage and history. Hmm. Fulham uh, finished twelfth last season. As
1: well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they made the Europa League home, but they did finish 12. So it's not like he, you know, got them into the Champions League no, or anything like no. that.
2: Um, but you know, I'm not sure he's he's the right man for the job, and I'm not sure if he'll see out the season. But hopefully he will. <laughs> yeah, uh, because he's uh, looks like he's going to bring in Brad Jones as his backup keeper, uh, which is good to see a soccer in there keeping a mm. the bench warm. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, Arsenal could were linked with Schwarz though that deal appears to be off. Mm. That's a shame isn't it
1: Both for Schwarzer And for us over here It would have been nice To see him go you know, To, to one of the bigger teams For the last
2: Yeah it would have been To be honest uh, You know I think uh, And I think it, it would have been good For Arsenal as well Because Schwarzer is Pretty much at the top Of his game and, mm. uh, Not necessarily So much last season Season before Spectacular season Yeah um, and, and, and for... Last season was A very very good season
1: mm. And from F- Fulham's Point of view You know New manager in there Mark Hughes And they're not going to Make a lot of money off a player that they're not going to be able to replace oh yeah so there's a no brainer to sell
2: yeah uh, and yeah he's 37-38 if they're offering two million take it both hands run away
1: yeah sure final game um, Manchester United
2: versus Newcastle this is when it's obvious that FIFA FA are tinkering yeah. with the schedules Yeah. what a baptism of fun <laughs> return to the you go for newcastle. they haven't um, really signed
1: many more players than newcastle have they no, like, everyone well, seems to think they'll definitely stay up but it might be a long season for them no i, th- I
2: think they will stay stay up because you know there is a lot of championship material mm-hmm. in the premier league these days yeah There's and a lot of teams that have st- accidentally stayed up mm-hmm. uh because of you know imploding teams like portsmouth
0: mm.
2: uh from previous seasons so you know i think newcastle will stay up Without that doubt but they were determined not to spend the way into Europe this time. Uh, any acquisitions were going to be free, signings wherever possible. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it's a sensible long-term view. Uh, and that Luckily, they've Newcastle being Newcastle, they've got the fans that will stick with them through that.
1: Completely. I mean, they've got Kevin Nolan there, who last season was embarrassingly good for the Championship. He was so much better than every other player in that league think he'll probably be an important player for them and, and Man more just over-reliance on Rooney or Hernandez who looks alright when he's not smashing the ball in his own face I have to, to, say, to score yeah,
2: I mean Hernandez did look very very good mm. uh, a, what, a Community Shield, Community Shield yeah um, I, uh, I think Manu will still be up there uh, I mean the fact that schools and gigs are still in the squad just amazes me but you know they have got such depth as a result because it's
1: because incredible the community shield yeah you know it doesn't make sense it's
2: um, just I mean the man should have career should have been over five years ago
1: mm, yeah
2: yeah. <laughs> he's still playing at the very highest level with the highest school it's mm. astonishing
1: astonishing special player ok well that's all we've got for this week thanks for coming in Kevin um, next week Jack will be back and uh, we're hoping to be joined by m- Match Day Saturday's Adam Peacock ending with Newcastle a Newcastle fan hopefully coming in Next week, um, but that's all for this week. Cheers.
0: 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.